Over the hillside they rode, torches held high, and swords drawn. And then they were in the camp. Uther rode past a large red tent and let his torch fly through the opening flap, and he plunged into a group of the enemy, who were sitting around the embers of a fading campfire. They rose with shock just as Uther's blade struck. The first fell, his chest cleaved open and his collarbone shattered by the mighty blow. Again and again the massive sword struck, and Uther's enemies died amid great sprays of blood, their screams of alarm quickly silenced. Five he had slain before any even fought back, and still he did ride forward, killing all those he could find. Leodegrins rode to the right of Uther and cried, Cameliard! His first blow struck at a warrior, just bringing his spear to bear, and it took the man's head clean off. Next he rode at a group of three Saxons who were running toward Uther. His sword clanged on his target's shield, yet so strong was his blow, he broke the Saxon's arm, sending him to his knees. All through the camp the fighting raged, and sounds of sword striking sword reverberated through the still night air. The enemy tents were ablaze and half-naked warriors stumbled out into the paths of the attackers. The surprise was total, and the battle a massacre. Ten minutes after it had begun, there were two score of the enemy dead or dying, and the rest had yielded and dropped their weapons. Among the captured were ten Britons, all wearing the black and red insignia they had seen in the sacked village. Caradoc's men guarded the captives, and the Visigoth prince, who had been dismounted in the fight, stood before Uther. Know you what men we have lost, Caradoc? Uther was covered in his enemy's blood, and he wiped his face with a rag as he spoke. Yes, one of your men was slain, and another wounded seriously, though I think he will live. One also of my men was slain, and two injured though neither of those grievously. Uther let out a deep breath. God has been merciful to us this night, for we have prevailed more decisively than we dared hope, and we have avenged the destroyed villages. The camp was searched, and they found a bag of copper coins and a box full of trinkets of little value, likely all the treasures that had been possessed by the villagers. Near the centre of the camp they found a pole sunk into the ground, and chained to it were half a dozen women, they were of various ages, and all were naked and shivering in a frigid night. One, a girl of no more than twelve summers, lay dead, burns on her body, and her thighs covered in blood. Uther called for his warriors to unchain the women and give them their cloaks. Other women did they find in the tents, similarly assaulted. He sent a messenger to bring up the servants and the mules, and ordered that the women be given water and food. The prisoners huddled together miserably called for mercy, falling to their knees before their captors. Leodegrins looked over them with contempt in his eyes. And what of them? Uther stared at the distraught captives, his gaze like the face of death. Behead the Saxons. His voice was ice. And the Britons? asked Caradoc. Uther called to a pair of his warriors who stood at his side. Gather brush, he told the two men. Burn them alive. His arms burned with exhaustion, and his legs were numb from the cold. But King Urien swung his blood-soaked sword yet again, and another Pictish warrior fell from the wall onto the frozen ground twenty feet below. All day the enemy had been testing the walls of Carlisle and the resolve of the men of Ragged. But the defenders held firm and repulsed every attack with a river of Pictish blood. 
For ten months Carlisle had withstood the siege, and Urien, the young king, was the heart of the defence. Everywhere he was, wherever the threat was greatest. Anywhere his men lost heart, at whatever point the enemy was pouring over the walls, there was the king, his great sword singing the song of death to the invader. Caelan had also won great honour, for he had slain a score of foes, and twice he had made his way through the night to carry the king's messages to Uxelodunum, half a league away across the river. The great fort still held out as well, and Owain, the king's uncle who commanded there, had three times sallied out to burn the enemy's camps and steal their supplies. Yet a pall of gloom lay over the town and sapped the strength of the defenders. More than half their number had been lost, and even arming every old man and boy, they would soon be unable to hold the walls. They were down to a quarter loaf of bread and a small piece of salt pork daily, and that was for the fighting men.